more than a string. Welcome to More Than Strength. I'm Dan Flanick, joined by Maddie Fuller. And on hey today's guys. <laughs> and today's episode, you gotta know every time you introduce me, I'm gonna say hello. You always okay, try to talk I'm. Over it. I do. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Let's do it again. Hi guys. I'm Dan Flanick, and I'm here with Maddie Fuller. What's up, guys? And today we're gonna talk about the massaging process of how to get a family member who might be interested in training, how to get them to actually start training. Maddie, have you have any experience with with trying to get anyone in your family to train with you? It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually do. So yeah, I'll I'll start off with this quick little story because you know I I recently got into starting strength. So you know how when you're new at something, you get really excited and you want to tell everybody about it, and you think that it's the only thing in the world to do and that everybody should do it. Well, I sort of did that with my wife, and she had been doing some you know, like cardio based training and she, she's wanting to get in better shape and she'd been doing that. And I I have been trying to convince her that weights are the best way to go. So, um, my goal was to get her on a starting strength linear progression. So we went to the gym one day, uh, and she did it the first day she did everything. I think she did squats, presses and deadlifts. So then we went back on Wednesday and she had scheduled like a play date for our kids with somebody else. So she didn't have time to do the whole thing. So she didn't get to her deadlifts and I was so mad. Like I know I know in, in retrospect this is ridiculous, but I was like so angry that, that we went in there and I was like, You're not doing it. You're not doing the program. You know, you didn't do the deadlifts. Um and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I was really glad that I didn't say anything. Like thankfully I did have a filter in my head to keep me from actually expressing the ridiculous anger I felt at the time. Um, because what I what I eventually stopped and realized is that she's not 100% sold on this necessarily, you know, because it, it, it's not easy to get women sold on weightlifting, first of all. And that may sound like a sexist thing to say, but it's the truth. Um, and second, if I had come at her all aggressive like that, I probably would have stopped her from ever lifting with me again. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've experienced experiences like that, too. Um, like my mom is a runner and she loves to run and she's, you know, She's easing into weights, but it's really difficult to get her to understand that, like, she doesn't need to run every single day five miles in the morning. Like, she'd be better off lifting and doing some other form of conditioning, but she's been doing that for 30 years. Like, what's her, you know, know-it-all son going to tell her that she doesn't already know uh, about what she needs to do and what makes her feel good, right? Um, and I think that that's something that pretty much everyone, like if you're listening, you could probably relate to if you've gotten excited about training and you want to tell everybody about it and get your friends to join in. And before we get into it, I do want to provide this disclaimer that if someone's not willing to listen to you and not willing to give it a try and not ready or at that point to be willing to give it a try, then you're going to waste your time trying to convince them, right? I'm not saying don't put it out there, but don't try and push people toward it if they're, they're just not ready to take on, uh, training really. Um, and I've made that mistake and I still make that mistake at times. Um, but I'm trying to get better with it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know what, like I think about this in terms of myself too, not necessarily for training, but if you come at me wrong with any kind of idea, I'm going to reject it no matter how good it is. You know, if, if, if you like approach me in a way that I don't appreciate, I'm just not going to listen. So 
Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's all of us. Um, I think we have, uh, I've actually heard that we're, our brains, like we're, we're more, we're just as scared of being wrong as we are of dying. Like I heard about this study and I don't have the source for it. I could look it up, but regardless, it's an interesting thing to think about. Maybe not fact, but something to think about is, um, basically the same, uh, fight or flight response, like the same feeling that you would have if you knew there was a tiger in the bushes about to pounce on you is what it feels like to realize that like you like someone's trying to prove you wrong so like our we, our brains like we have to be right like we want to be right so that's i think that plays into the idea of if you come come at somebody in a way that's like basically bashing what they're doing right now or coming at it in a very pushy way they're they're not going to be very responsive to it because then it's a threat to their ego really or a threat to them being wrong or right you know what i mean exactly exactly so i guess in your experience as a coach then you know we know we know the wrong way to do stuff so yeah what what are better ways to sort of approach this kind of thing so i mean there's a bunch of different theories out there but there's this one model that i you know i find at least for me helps me to understand uh at least a little bit better the psychology of other people who who i I might want to coach or who i want to get them to train, whether it's a family member or a friend or, or even a, a new client or anything like that. Um, and it's this model called the trans theoretical model of behavior change. And it's a really fancy name, but luckily the, the model itself isn't really that, that complicated to understand, which I think is one of the reasons it's so useful. And so if we look at be a behavior change, it's not it's not very often that somebody can just cold turkey say, you know what, I'm doing this. And even if they do, I theorize that that wasn't just a decision they made that day. That was something that they had been thinking about, right? If someone decides to quit smoking, they probably just didn't wake up and the first thought time they thought of quitting smoking that they just did it. So I think that there's steps that prelude someone getting to a point where they're going to change their behavior significantly, right? So the model entails a couple different steps that's really a spectrum so that really it's not linear um, like the linear progression. It's something that you can be moving in between through your entire life. And so the the first stage in this trans-theoretical model is this stage called pre-contemplation, which is, if we think about it like training, it's somebody who is not even considering it like maybe they're not even exercising like they're they're not interested they're not starting anything they're not even thinking about it so they're just not ready whatsoever um the next stage is the contemplation stage and contemplation is where this person is starting to think about it and if you have someone in pre-contemplation chances are that if you're pushy, like you just said before, that's the stage where they're just going to reject you and not even want to hear what you're saying at all. Um, Because they're just not ready to even start considering going into the weight room and exercising or training. They're just not ready yet. And I'm sure like you have people in your family, Maddie, that, that, you know, like just aren't even ready. And that even if you approach them with it, they're, they're just not going to be responsive. They're going to, yeah, okay, okay. Kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. And so, I think that's a point where, you know, like, because the thing is when people get into starting strength, it, it really, it like Rip says it all the time that he's narrow casting. It takes a specific type of person. Um, and that's why the whole world's not doing it and the whole world will never be doing it. Um, so if you're coming at it with like, you're a specific type of person who 
is going to see the value in training a specific type of way, most of the people you're around, because it's narrow casted to you, are probably not gonna be at that point yet. So that's where the massaging process comes into play, right? But first, let me get into the other stages before we talk about that. Do you have anything questions so far, Maddie? Uh, no. no okay. I was just so, looking up the uh, trans theoretical modifier. Yeah. So, oh, good. So we have pre contemplation, we have contemplation. Then we have preparation, and this is the step I forgot to tell you about before. And the preparation is when somebody's getting ready to make the change, when they're like, you know, they're taking it pretty seriously. Maybe they went and they bought a water bottle. Maybe they got some lifting shoes, sneakers. They bought a belt. They're getting ready to say, I'm going to commit to to doing this, right? Whether it's maybe it's quitting smoking, whatever it, whatever behavior they're trying to change, this applies to, to any significant behavior. And so that point, you know, those two points, the contemplation and preparation, I think is a, a wonderful way or a wonderful point in time to be able to get somebody who's interested in it to guide them toward, you know, training rather than exercise because we know and believe that that's going to be more effective than, you know, the random exercise like we've talked about on previous episodes. And then after preparation, you have action, which is where the person actually starts going to the gym, right? It's day one of your linear progression. That's action right there. Um and, re- and that's great, right? You don't have to do anything then because at least trying to get someone in the gym because they're in the gym and they're doing it. And then after action comes maintenance. And then the, I think the great thing about the starting strength program is it helps people. It helps the people who do it to enter maintenance, which is basically you have a habit, you've established it. It's, it's habitual. So you, like it's something you do. It's like brushing your teeth every day, right? You get up and you, you train. Like that's just a part of your life. Um, and I think that the starting strength program is a good way to get people into that just because you're going to see progress each and every time that you train. So that helps when people are seeing progress, it helps them to adhere. Um, because I think it's like 50% of people drop out with, of an exercise program within the first three months. So I think if you can get someone past that hump, um, then they're going to be more likely to ma- stay in that maintenance phase rather than relapse, which is, I guess, the sixth bonus phase that nobody really wants to get into, which is relapse, where someone could go back to pre-contemplation or someone might go back into contemplation or preparation, right? Um, and basically, people can travel throughout the, that spectrum. Um, it's not linear, like I said, so you can be anywhere in that spectrum at a given time. You could go backwards. You could go forwards. You can just completely start all over again um, with, with any behavior change. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I can I can see those steps, you know, when I decide to do something as well. Um and, and I, it's it's funny too when I think about this. I also know, and my my wife will probably tell you that a lot of these a lot of these stages you may not know are happening because a lot of them will take place, you know, totally inside your head. Um, yeah. Because she'll know. For me, once I start talking about something, it's because I've already decided to do it. It's not because I'm thinking about it anymore. Like if <laughs> I bring up an idea, it's because I've already decided. Yeah, you, but you phrase it like, hey, you know. I've been thinking about <laughs> and blank, whatever it is, getting a jet ski, right? <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> but your mind's already made up. Exactly. So I think now's a good point to kind of, I think empathy, at least from a coaching perspective, but even just from a relationship perspective with whoever it is that you want to train, like is super important. Um, and realizing that or trying to put yourself in that other person's shoes it is really helpful because if you can get inside their shoes, even just feel an ounce of what they're feeling just for a split second, I think it'll help 
you to, especially if it's a family member, like you'll know this person really well, you'll know how to massage them or massage their psychology to be able to progress them through these stages of change and realize that it, it's a process just like training is and it takes time and most people aren't just going to do it overnight. And so like a personal story is someone like my sister, like my sister had a, had a baby about a, almost a year ago and she's been kind of going back and forth between preparation and action with, you know, training. And I know my sister and she's very much like my dad. And let me just to give you a, a good depiction of my dad, like picture Goodfellas and like my dad not that he's like a criminal or anything like that, but that like those guys like Bronx, Irish, a little rough around the edges, but super, super genuine, nice guy. But regardless, like he, he will tell it like it is and, and very, very blunt. And my sister gets that from him. And so if I were to push my sister, right, and she's in the preparation phase and I'm like, Bree, you got to get down and train. Like you have to, you got to go in, go to the gym. Like the only way you're going to get better is if you do that. The only thing that's going to do is push her further and further away from actually doing it. So instead with someone like my sister, I have to I have to realize like what what she goes through like in her brain when she's trying to make a change like that. And so I found like it's she's starting to pick it back up again and doing really well and and uh really changing a lot of stuff with her diet at first, which you got to start somewhere and she um so let me let me start that over. So my sister, she is someone that well basically if I if I push her towards something, she the further away she's gonna drift from it. And uh, I've just kind of encouraged her instead, right? Like anytime she mentions training, like, hey, would you think you maybe come over and, and help me with this? I'll be like, yep, I'll be right over there and do nothing but encourage her. Like nothing but positive feedback uh, until she, you know, she gets to a point where she's in maintenance when maybe I can get on her a little bit more about things like if, I, if I'm coaching her, right? But she's someone that I can't just say, you need to get in the gym and like, let's go. I'm going to take you there now. Like she's going to be like, no, screw you. Get away from me because now I don't feel like talking to you about it. And now I'm definitely not going to do it. Right. And I think a lot of people are like that. But my little brother, on the other hand, like he, if when he starts to train, like right now he lifts with football and stuff, but like, I'll be like, dude, we got to go train. You're coming with me. Let's go. And then he's just like, all right, he's the type of person that needs a little bit of a kick in the ass. And there's some people like that too. Um, so those are just examples from my life. Do you have any from yours other than your wife? Have you had like I know you said your dad was someone you were getting to train? Yeah, and and I I just sort of have nudged him some. You know, I'll I'll tag him in an article on Facebook that's related to older people lifting. Um, I bought the barbell prescription book and said, here you should probably check this out. You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Because again, like I I think I think a big takeaway for me is that you can't. You can't force somebody to change their behavior. Yeah, I, I was mentioning that I was just kind of trying to nudge him along. And, and and again, like, you guys don't know this because I edited this out of the podcast, but my internet just died. So I had to, like, start all over again with my thought. But anyways, that's a little behind-the-scenes info. Um, so what I was saying was, like, a takeaway for me is that you can't force people to change their behavior. Like you can make somebody do something like through sheer force or whatever, but it's never going to be their decision. And because of that, they're never going to go all in on it. And whenever you stop forcing them, they're just going to quit. Um, so 
that's just something to keep in mind. You know, you can't make somebody do something. I think, from my opinion, and then I'll let you, you know, close this out. It, the best thing that you can do is instead of, first is instead of talking about stuff, you can actually do stuff. So, you know, if you think lifting weights is the best way to lose weight or look better or whatever, then, you know, stop talking about it and then just go lift weights. And second, and completely related to that, is the most persuasive thing that you can show somebody is your results. So again, you know, talk is cheap. Nobody cares what you're talking about. Like, but if you go in and you spend, you know, a few months lifting weights and all of a sudden you come out looking better, feeling better, and they notice it, people are going to get interested way more than if you're trying to tell them they need to go. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was me and you were texting back and forth the other day about um, how there's people in your gym, even like you, even just correcting someone's form like that. Maybe that's a whole nother episode, like how to approach someone in the gym to help correct their form. Right. <laughs> so that people don't aren't off put. But like, I know the feeling because you look and, and a part of you is like, man, I can really help that person. But then other parts like, they're just going to think I'm a, I'm a jerk coming up to them and telling them what to do. And like you just said, your results. And I told you, I'm like, what did I say? I'm like, get up to like, when you start squatting heavy again, when you're up to 315 for sets of five, you're probably going to be one of the very few, if not the only person doing it to depth and correctly in your gym. And then what starts to happen after that is people you don't even know will come up to you and say things like, Oh man, uh, how'd you do that? Or, or can you help me with mine? Right. And then that, that's, it's, it's very similar in what you're saying with, with your family too. Like if you start looking better and feeling better and, and you're excited about what you're doing, like that starts to just exude from your personality and that alone starts to attract people to what, what you're talking about and what you're doing. And once someone asks you or once you get into a conversation where I think, you know, use your emotional intelligence to be able to figure out if someone's ready to hear this or not, but talk about training, talk about what it is, because there is a time and a place for it. It's just not, you know, barking it at people. That, I guess that's where you're, it sounds like where you're coming from with that, Maddie. Yeah, you can't just come out of the blue with people and, and try to, like, tell them they're wrong. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another like, and again, I'm sorry. I'm like talking so much. This no, time, it's another, fine. Another quick story is, is uh, a girl at the gym asked me for a spot one time on the bench because she was having trouble. Um, and I said, you know, can I make a couple of suggestions? And she even said to me, not, not that my bench is anything like impressive, but she was like, well, I, you know, I can tell that what you're doing is working because, you know, I've seen what you're lifting and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, you know, it was that thing. Like she knew that at least my bench wasn't like 95 pounds and I'm over here trying to tell her, you know, ways that she might be able to fix it. So I mean, exactly. that, that does work. Like you said, people will notice when you're doing something um, more than everybody else and you're doing it in a different way. So now let's, I want to hear from you one more time, Dan, you know, you're the coach, you're the, yeah. you're the expert here in this uh -huh. situation. So for you, what's what's your takeaway to send people off with in this episode? The biggest thing is, I mean, you can sit there and memorize the trans theoretical model if you want to, but I'd say the biggest thing is realizing that your perspective is your perspective and it's not the other person's perspective. So even if you could just practice getting into someone else's shoes, even just to feel and kind of see it from their point of view, even just an ounce of what they're experiencing. I think in the long run, it'd be way better to get somebody in into something that you know, because I, I know where you're coming from with it. You're trying to put someone on a path that you know is going to be beneficial for them. 
but you have to see it from their point of view first before you can do that. And there's actually an exercise that I've tried before, which is basically, this is more for like me and trying to relate to clients, but you can do this with, with anyone. It was actually like a marketing exercise, but really it's just close your eyes and take like 10 or 15 minutes to imagine like really, really imagine that you're not you and you're the person that you're trying to um, trying to get in the gym. So like if it's your wife, like imagine her or like imagine you as her get waking up in the morning, going through her routine, looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, feeling those feelings of like, you know, maybe disappointment or frustration, um, feeling what someone's going through on a daily basis when they bring the kids to school and to work or whatever it is that that the person you're trying to envision yourself as it does in a normal day. And that that might be a, an exercise you can do to help you um, just start to empathize and get in that person's shoes and therefore help them more appropriately. Awesome. Well, that's good stuff. Well, I know this is sometimes a tough question, but uh, what are we going to talk about next week, Dan? You know yet? Yeah, next week, I have it written down because my brain goes all over the place and next week what we're going to talk about is marrying needs versus wants in training right and so it's going to basically be about giving yourself like if you're someone who's gone from like a six-day bodybuilding split or used to working out every day been starting with starting strength because some of you listening are probably just on your linear progression you know how to ease yourself in to going from something that you're really used to and makes you feel a certain way to doing something completely different. And you can marry the two ideas of exercise and training a little bit, at least to get you started on the right path, if that's what it takes to get you started. If you can do it cold turkey, then great. But if not, there are ways we could go around that. And that's what we'll talk about next time. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. We will see you guys next time. Yes, we will. Thank you for listening to More Than Strength. Be sure to check out morethanstrength.com slash podcast for links and show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review on iTunes and tell a friend. Thanks.